Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together for Tuesday, April 20th. Glad that you're with us this morning or this afternoon or evening whenever you happen to be listening. Today, we're going to do a yip, 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 mega here journal. Here's what I mean. Um, you know, I looked at what the reading was for today, and this reading, in my opinion, really needs this whole chapter. So I know you're reading this whole chapter over the course of this next week by the time I'm with you. So I'll, I'll be with you next Tuesday to finish up this chapter. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to bring up a lot of questions. As uh, I'm not going to read this whole chapter. I'm just going to read our, our, our passage for today from the City Church app the Bible reading app. So you should go to Burrow City Church on your app store, download our app, lots of helpful things. And um, for example, like if you didn't know or didn't have the app, you could have had babysitting this last Friday night at the church, but you didn't know about that because you didn't have the app, which is short for application, which is something we do in a here journal. It's, it's the third letter. It's what A stands for, City Church app. Okay, so get the app. Do the reading. So I'm going to read today's, and then I'm also, but I'm also going to bring in things from all through chapter 22, or as Jesus called it, and now Luke double deuce. That's what he said before it. It's the double deuce. Okay. Deuce is wild is the way that Luke starts this chapter. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to read the first 13 verses, and you're going to listen because you're on the podcast, and then uh, we'll uh, talk about it. All right, the festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. The chief priest and the scribes, uh, the chief priest and the scribes were looking for a way to put him, that's Jesus, to death because they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priest and temple police how he could hand him over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for an opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them. When you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house. The teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And that's the word of the Lord from Luke 22. Okay. Wow. So my Bible has lots of um, circles and arrows and little question marks coming off of those arrows. And um, I'm going to try to uh, bring you into the world. So into the virtual pages of my Bible with all of the marks and the pennons and the thinkings and such, which is what a here journal is for. All right. What are we going to highlight? That's the first question. That's the H in our here journal. All right. Um, well, let me show you what I notice, okay? One, uh, in verse two, which would be triple deuce, 22-2. Is there a 22-22 in this? That's quadruple deuce. Is it? Yes, there is. Wow. Let's just see what that verse is just for fun right now. 22-22 says, 
For the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Okay, memorize that because that is Luke 22, 22. All right, we'll get to that. Well, we won't. You will in your reading. All right, back to where I was. Luke 22. Can y'all tell I've had coffee? <laughs> it's a good time. Um, Luke 22. All right, the, this and this phrase in 22, 2. Um, the chief priests were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. All right, now I've got another, and it talks about Judas and, and Satan entering Judas. All right, now listen to this down in verse 6. So Judas, okay, so first is the chief, chief priest. What were the chief priests looking for? They were looking to kill Jesus. Why? Because they were afraid of the people. They didn't, they, it's, it's more chief priests, scribes, Pharisees, afraid of their reputation. How will they look, which is their issue. Anyway, verse 6, so he accepted the offer, that's Judas, accepted the offer of silver and started looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus to them when the crowd was not present, okay? So I, I, here's what I want to I point out. We've got people looking. The chief priests are looking to put Jesus to death. Their motivation, they're afraid of the, peop- of, of the people. Judas is looking, started looking for an, a good opportunity to betray Jesus. What's his motivation? Well, on the surface, it's the silver that he was just paid, okay? Now, the next part of this verse that we, or the next part of this text that we read today, what we get to is more people looking, but it is a different kind of looking. What are these people looking for in this next little section? Well, Jesus sends them out, sends out Peter and John, okay? Peter and John, those are two very important disciples. Peter, James, and John, those are the ones on Jesus's inner circle and he will talk more about um, he will talk more about them in just a minute. Okay, look at this. He sends them out. He tells them, you know, you you need to look for this. Um, it, you know, it's a it's a Cape Cod or a ranch style has a furnished room. I love that it says furnished room. It's good stuff. Um, uh, my wife is an interior designer, so I notice things like furnished rooms now. Anyway. He says, he tells them, Jesus tells them what to look for for this Passover meal. And look at verse 13. So they went out and found it just as he, Jesus, the one that's trying to be killed in the earlier verses, told them. And they prepared the Passover. All right. Just a quick juxtaposition here between two things we've noticed. We've got, we've got people looking and they are looking to kill. That's Judas and the chief priest, motivated by two different things, and then we have those closest to Jesus, Peter and John, looking. What are they looking for? They are looking for what Jesus told them to look for, a place to dine with him, the Passover meal. And it says, verse 13, they found it, okay? Now, we're, I'm going to carry on here without reading this, okay? So this is what you're going to read for the rest of the week. I just want to, I'm, I'm just trying to stir some things up here in your highlight section, and then we'll come back to explain and think. All right, notice so we have sort of this juxtaposition of the disciples, Peter and John, those who are closest to Jesus. They go out and they look for what Jesus tells to them and they find it just as he says. The other people we have are the scribes and Pharisees or the chief priests and, and Judas, and they are looking to kill Jesus, looking for opportunities to kill Jesus. All right, so two people looking, very different things. So the first thing 
one of the things in my mind as I look at the, the comparison between the two of those is, aha, Peter and John have it right, and it must be uh, Peter and John have it right, and, and it's the chief priests. They're the bad guys because they're the ones looking to kill Jesus. Peter and John are the ones who look for what Jesus says to, to do, and they find it. Okay, now the Lord's Supper comes. Jesus, of course, tells him, uh, is going to tell them all about the suffering that he is going to have to endure. He says things like, this is the last time I drink the cup with you before I suffer. I'm not going to drink it again until the kingdom of God comes. Um, and, and then he says in verse 21, he says, but look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. We already read the quadruple deuce, so down to 23. Listen to this, okay? We get another juxtaposition and one that has a scratching our head a little bit. So they began to argue among themselves which of them was going to do it. Okay, so the, the argument after Jesus says, one of you is unfaithful, the argument among the disciples is, which one of us is it? Okay, that's what they're arguing about. Which one of us is awful? Now, notice, all you have to do is read the little heading here, the dispute, and CSB says, the dispute over greatness. Look at the next thing they argue about. Right off of that, the way that Luke puts it here, they go from arguing about who's the worst to who's the greatest. Okay? Now, that, in your reading, that's something to look out for this week. Why would Luke put this together to have the disciples arguing about who's the worst, and then immediately they're arguing about who is the greatest? If you, uh, if you read on, uh, you find out that James and John are actually at the center of that arguing about who's the greatest. And isn't that interesting? Because John is, is one of the, James and John are the insiders, okay? That's in a different gospel. Um, in fact, they send their, their mother to ask. I think it's James and John. I hope it is. Um, pastors can be wrong sometimes. Uh, I didn't look that up first. Okay, now listen to this. Listen to this. Keep going, keep going. Verse 27. Um, Jesus replies to them when he hears them arguing, he says, who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Now, doesn't this sound like a trap? That, remember, they just ate the Passover meal. They were all there. Who is greater, the one? And then look at Jesus set them up. Isn't it the one at the table? I can picture them right here going, oh, of course, it's the one at the table. The one at the table is definitely the greatest. And then Jesus says, but I'm among you. I'm the one who serves. And remember what Jesus just did. Jesus just washed everybody's feet. Jesus, and, and we know from the other gospels that Peter is one of those guys who says, no, 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 absolutely not, Jesus. You're not going to wash my feet. And he says, uh-uh-uh, yes, I am. You're going to have me. I'm going to serve you, okay? Now, listen to the next statement. You are those who stood by me in my trials. What? <laughs> you know it's about to happen, don't you? Just glance down in your Bible at, at the very next section. Peter's denial predicted. Jesus has just said, you are the one who stood by me in my trial. Peter's denial predicted. Okay? Guess what's going to happen a, a couple of more sections down? The prayer in the garden. You know what happens in the prayer in the garden? Jesus says, Will you keep watch while I go in here? Remember, he sweats, uh, he, he sweats blood, and then he comes out, and what does he find them doing? Sweating blood along with him? Being watchful during his trial? No, of course not. They are asleep. All right? And then you get Judas's betrayal of Jesus. Okay? One more thing to point out, just to have you scratching your head all the more. Jesus is really good at this. Okay? Which is why when you're confused by my preaching, I just, you know, I always say, well, Jesus was confusing too. Um, no, that's not a good excuse. Uh, look at, well, I'll just tell you what he says because we're not reading this. Okay, at one point, 
Jesus, uh, when he says, um, be ready for, in the section entitled, if you got a CSB, be ready for trouble, it's about verse 35. Jesus essentially says to them, didn't I give you everything you needed? When I told you to go out without a money bag or a traveling bag or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, no, we had everything we needed. And then he gives them this, this command to be ready for trouble that is coming. And one of the things he says to do is he says, well, now go ahead and get the money bag and the traveling bag. You didn't do that before. Go ahead and get that now. And he says, whoever, this is Jesus. He says, whoever doesn't have a sword should sell his robe and buy one. Okay because you're about to encounter lawless people. And then, um, and then they say, oh, look, here's two swords. And Jesus is like, that's fine, that's enough. Take the two swords. Okay, now if you were following Jesus, what might you think in that time? Well, Jesus said it. He said, get the swords. When, when Judas and his cronies come in to arrest Jesus, do you remember what happened here? You'll read about it this week. Peter goes, this must be what Jesus was talking about. And a whip, he whips out his sword, and he cuts off a guy named Malchus's ear that we find out in another gospel. He cuts off, <coughs> excuse me, one of the soldier's ears, and Jesus looks at him and like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Put your sword away. Okay, <laughs> let's take all of that for a minute, and then, and then, of course, you have Peter's denial that comes next. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to funnel all of that back into the juxtaposition. I'm going to let you try to figure some of that out as you read this week. But I'm going to funnel all of that back to that original juxtaposition that we talked about that we highlighted early and try to explain. Okay, so we've got all of this, these characters that look as if they're supposed to be the opposite of the chief priest. Because remember, the chief priests are looking for a way to kill him, Peter and John. What are they looking for? They are looking for a way to obey him. They went out and they found exactly what he said to find. But then the rest of the chapter, it just shifts and it's denial and it's arguing about who's the worst and then arguing about who's the greatest. Okay. It's abandoned. It's even when Jesus says to do something, they don't know how to do it right. Okay. All of that I want to put in this category of explainer. I think part of what Luke is trying to do here is show us that the greatest enemy to Jesus is not just the chief priest and scribes. We are dealing with something that is common to humanity. It is not just the chief priests and scribes, and it, it, like we're we're not just dealing with a kind of political movement that happened in the first century. Okay, so it's not like oh well, Jesus clearly came in to sort of subvert you know religion and government, and then and so of course he had these opponents. No, what we're seeing here, and even in the denial, even in Judas sort of switching sides, what we're getting is a picture that Jesus stands alone. Jesus stands alone. He is the righteous one. He is the only righteous one. It is not Jesus and the people on his team. It is Jesus against the world, but Jesus for the world. Okay, it is it, because this is the man who dies for his enemies. And his enemies aren't only those who are outside the camp. In fact, what we see in Peter and John here and Judas we see his enemies are the ones who are on his inner circle. They, Jesus' enemies are everywhere. 
They include the enemies who own up to it and say, we are his enemies and we're trying to kill him. They are also the enemies who at one point were doing exactly what he told them to do. And yet they can't understand his instructions about swords. They, they can't even live into what Jesus commends them for. You stood by me in my trials. And then, and then we get this story of literally them not standing next to them in their trials. And that's, that's part of the way that that's, this chapter ends. It is with that very iconic and poignant eye contact. It's my, it's my favorite telling of the passion story in Luke, mainly because of this point, because you get this iconic eye contact. Iconic eye contact. I did that on accident, gang. We know it's the Holy Spirit. It's this iconic moment of Jesus and Peter catching eyes as Jesus is on trial being beaten and scourged, where, where it all kind of sinks into Peter that, oh my gosh, I thought Judas was the one that betrayed him. <laughs> all along, it was me. It was me. And so the answer to the argument about who's going to betray Jesus is everyone, and the Scripture will, will tell us as much. Okay, so that's some of the explain. Now, apply. This is a very simple application, and it, 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 a very simple application that's going to come with, um, with something, a maxim that you've probably heard a ton of times. When you point outward, there are, uh, I guess there's three other fingers pointing back at you. When we point to our enemies and our problem with our enemies, there is three times as much that we could have, maybe even have more control of, and, and if we would stop and take a look at ourselves. And, and we see that very clearly with the disciples and the chief priests. In fact, most of this chapter is not spent on the evil of Judas and the evil of the chief priest. Most of this chapter is spent on Peter the one who was closest in Jesus' inner, inner, inner circle. Not even the 12, down to the three. The one who spent was closest to Jesus, was probably right on the hem of his garment as he walked. Peter probably stepped on Jesus. I, I picture Jesus all the time going, oh, Peter, you're on my robe. Can you get off of him? He's like, I'm just trying to be close to you, Lord. And he's like, I get that, Peter, but get off my robe. I, I literally cannot walk when you do that. That's Peter, and Peter is shown as the chief denier, the backstabber. Which means, gang, we are to be ever vigilant. Here's the application. We are to be ever vigilant when we see the enemies of God as outward to all, and they're out there, but to also see the enemy of God as inward. And that's part of repentance, is noticing where even those of us who are close to Jesus, we also have a propensity to deny him, to push him away, and to say no to him, even though we can point to things in our lives like, oh, yeah, man, Jesus tells me to go out and find it, and that's exactly how I found it. But, but Peter would be the type to rely on, no, nah, when Jesus told me to go out and find, the, find a place for the Passover, that's exactly what I did. I, found, I must be walking right with him. But Jesus showed him, no, you're not. Your heart is still straying from me. And what grace that Jesus ahead of time shares a meal with him that Jesus ahead of time of all his deniers serves them and that Jesus says, you will be with me. We will drink this again when the kingdom of God comes. That is what the Lord's table um, reminds us of, which we just took this last weekend. That is what the Lord's table reminds us of. So let's pray.
let's respond to God. And instead of, like Peter, defending ourselves, no, I'll never deny you. Let's go ahead and own up to the reality that we have, that we will, and that there is grace for us to come back to the table with Jesus. Let's be silent now and pray. Our Father in heaven, if we were you and in your position where we could see what was going to happen, we could see the people, <laughs> you could you see us even before we deny you, even before we know that we will deny you. You see that, and yet you serve us. You invite us in. You, you proclaim something over us that isn't even true yet so that we will eventually live into it. You are those who stood by me in my trials, even as you know that we're the deniers. Father, thank you for the grace that you give us. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way your Holy Spirit transforms us. We know that Peter and John and all the disciples were transformed by the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we have now because of your death and resurrection that they did not have at that time. You, your son was operating in the Holy Spirit, but these, these disciples, they were operating in the flesh. And we know that's such a gift now. And yet, even with the gift of the Spirit, we still quench the Spirit. We still deny you. And we are thankful to come back to the table for more of your grace. Instead of hiding in shame, just like you did with Peter, you come out to us and you remind us again, Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Simon, do you love me? Tend my lambs. Thank you, Father, for the call back to the table, the call back into ministry, the call back into loving and serving. You are good to us even when we are not faithful to you. And in that grace, we go out today to give that grace out to others, even to our enemies, as you've given it to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit, amen. City Church, take that grace out. Go and multiply the gospel.